What would you do with your life if you knew you couldn't fail? If you had all the money, all the time, all the knowledge, all the resources that you needed, what would you do with your life if you simply knew that anything was possible for you? My name is Christina Carlson, founder of global Swedish design and inspiration brand Dream Life and author of the book Your Dream Life Starts Here. And I love exploring these sorts of questions to inspire people like you to chase your own dream life, whatever that means for you. Many years ago, I wrote down a dream on paper that would one day bring Swedish design to the world and create beautiful, inspiring and meaningful products that would bring sparks of joy into the everyday lives of millions. Now that I have achieved that dream, I want to leverage everything I've learned to help you dream big and to create a global movement to inspire 101 million people to transform their lives and transform the world in return. Each episode will dive deep into the power of dreaming and share real insights and practical ideas that you can use immediately to build a dream life of your own, whatever that means for you. Hi there, and welcome back to another episode. I am so excited about this episode. Dr. Benjamin Hardy, who is today's guest, is an organizational psychologist and is the world's leading expert on the psychology of entrepreneurial leadership and exponential growth. His PhD research focuses on entrepreneurial courage and transformational leadership. Before completing his PhD, his blogs were read by over 100 million people. He published his first major book, Willpower Doesn't Work, and he was running a seven-figure online training business. Since finishing his PhD in 2019, Dr. Hardy has published five additional books, including three co-authored with the legendary entrepreneurial coach, Dan Sullivan. His books have sold hundreds of thousands of copies, and he is a thought-after teacher and speaker at a corporate and entrepreneurial events, as well as Fortune 500 companies. He and his wife, Lauren, are parents to six kids and live in Orlando, Florida. I can't wait for this episode because we are reading his book, Be Your Future Self in Grow, which is my book club in January. This book podcast will set us up so well to really dig deep and become our future self in 2023. So let's get right into it. Hi, Dr. Benjamin Hardy. Welcome to my podcast. I am so excited to have you here. I am very happy to be with you. It's going to be an amazing conversation. Mm, I can't wait. I can't wait. Before we get into that conversation, I have a question that I ask all my guests, and that is, did you have a dream as a child, something you wanted to do or become? I'm not sure as a child. Like if I'm thinking maybe before age 10, I'm not sure if I had a dream back then. I could have. I'm not sure. I don't remember it. When I was a teenager, I wanted to be a professional snowboarder. And then after that, obviously, I wanted to become a professional author. Before 10, I don't remember. And one of your dreams has certainly uh, come true, which you, I think you have, how many books have you done now? Next year, I will publish my seventh and eighth books. Wow. Congratulations. That's dedication. <laughs> it's fun. Each book gets harder and easier. It's kind of different. It's harder because each one's a bigger challenge. It's easier because I've done it more and more times, so... 
Yeah, for sure. So congratulations on your latest book, which is the book we're going to be talking about today, To Be Your Future Self Now. I'm curious, what made you write this book? So in 2019, I was writing a different book called Personality Isn't Permanent. And while I was writing that book, unexpectedly, I came across all the research on future self. In the psychology world, we call it a like a river or a line or a vein of research. Like it was a, an aspect of the research I just didn't even know existed. And I fell upon it while I was researching for personality isn't permanent. And just like it struck me that this is extremely important. And I see that it's growing. And actually, even more recently, it's it's starting to blow up everywhere. But I, I, I felt it was very important. And I saw that this is the this is actually, in my opinion, the future of psychology. And it actually is going that direction. And so once I came across that, I mean, I finished that book, Personalities and Permanent, but I knew that I would probably my next book or, you know, some future book, I knew I would write purely on future self. And so that's, that's ultimately what led to writing this book. I'd love to go deeper on obviously the book, but before we do, maybe just tell us a little bit about the little bit about your journey. We've got listeners from all over the world and there might be some people who might not know about you yet, but they certainly will. Yeah, absolutely. So I'd say there's some big milestones in my journey and there's a lot of milestones in anyone's journey who's listening. Uh, some of those milestones are peaks and some of those milestones are valleys <laughs> and the valleys can be some of your hardest moments. And so I would say that my my story truly began in a deep, deep valley. When my parents got divorced, I was age 11, oldest of three boys. The divorce was extremely traumatic for them and for us. Ultimately, my father ended up becoming an extreme drug addict. And my life kind of felt like a rug was ripped underneath me. Like I just felt like reality kind of shifted and changed. And I kind of was starting over from scratch. So all through my junior high, my high school years, basically all of my adolescence and teenage years from age 11 to age 18, there was very little foundation. There was very little structure around me. And Somehow I kept going to high school. You know, I went to school. I barely graduated, but it was very directionless. And I didn't really have the foundation I, I thought I had. But ultimately, I ended up deciding at age 19 to, to leave. Like, I felt like I needed to leave and get a fresh start. And for me, what that meant was going and serving a church mission, just going and doing church, like missionary work, humanitarian work, service work. My young, My younger brother, Trevor ended up deciding to join the military. But I just felt like I needed a fresh start, a clean slate. And for probably the six months before I left on that, I did begin to re regain my relationship with my dad. Uh, he started to come out of his addictions, and ultimately he did during my mission. And I was gone for a few years just doing service work. And when I came back, I, I had gone through enormous change. Like It was a very transformational journey for me. I, I read a lot of books. I did a lot of service. I healed a lot of my trauma. I filled stacks of journals. And so that experience kind of, it did very much lead me to wanting to become a psychologist and wanting to be a writer. And so I came home and I started going to college. I went to um, school to get my degree in psychology. I got married and then I ended up going and getting a PhD in organizational psychology and organizational psychology is kind of psychology for leaders, for organizations, for businesses. And yeah, I guess it was when I got into my PhD program that I really got committed to my future self as a professional writer. I kind of wanted to be a writer from when I got home from that mission. I got home from that mission in 2010, and I got into my PhD program in 2014. And 
it was in in about end of 2014, early 2015 that I got really committed to my future self that I was like, I'm ready to start working on the pathway of becoming a true professional author. Even though I was in my first year of my PhD program and PhD programs are a lot of work, I still was ready. I felt ready and committed to become a professional author. And so I started writing a lot more. I started getting advice from professional authors and bloggers and stuff. And ultimately, over the next few years, I became a really big blogger and started writing big books. And I've published multiple books. And my wife and I, during my PhD program also, we became foster parents of three kids. It took us three years to go through the process of adopting them. She ended up getting pregnant with twins literally the month after we adopted our kids. So during my PhD program, which was from 2014 to 2019, a lot changed. I I ultimately got the PhD. We adopted three kids. We also had twins. So we went from zero to five kids. I also became a professional author, you know, and since then have published many more books. And we've had our sixth child. We're done having kids. We now live in Orlando, Florida. This is where we live. We're raising our six kids. And now I'm just writing books full time. <laughs> so wow. that's kind of a long meandering way of describing some of the journey. So inspiring. Gosh, you've fitted in a lot of things. And I have two kids and <laughs> I can't even imagine. I don't know if six is more work than two. <laughs> I mean, even just one kid will take over your whole life. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you get used, used to it. And yeah. So this is a topic that I'm really passionate about. I wrote a book called um, Your Dream Life Starts Here. I was all, I'm all about inspiring people to live their dream life, whatever that is for anyone out there. There was one thing that really resonated with me, and that was without hope in the future, your present lose meaning. And I would love for you to talk about this and also give us some tips on how we actually think about our future selves when we are in the middle of struggling. And obviously, you you are a great example of that because you had a lot of struggles yourself. But how do we then deal with our future when we kind of lose, lose meaning? And I, I actually lost that just for a short amount of time when I was going through the hard times. But then I got super excited about my new business and, you know, my new future. But I'm, I'm very curious how we actually deal with that because it's one thing to imagine the future when you're excited about it. But when you go through struggles, that's probably much harder for most of us. It is very hard. One thing I will say, and then I'll share kind of some story and a little and certainly some some practical, but definitely it's important for everyone listening to this to realize that everything that's happening in your life right now is based on your expectations and your perspective of your future. Like as an example, as you described, if you start to lose all hope and optimism towards your future. If your ho- if your future looks completely bleak and terrible, then what does that do for your present? Your life actually starts to lose meaning and you start to lose sanity and you start to become depressed and you start trying to avoid reality and distract yourself, numb yourself, whether with addictions or distractions. I mean, you start to think about the past all day. So for me, the best example and the best case study of all of this is Viktor Frankl. And this is, you know, I obviously wrote about him in this section of the book. And if any of you have not listened to or read the book, Man's Search for Meaning, it's a fundamental book. It's a book that I think every person should read, but he really describes this beautifully. And then obviously, modern research on hope even explains it even further. But basically what Frankl, his experience, for those who don't know, he was a Jewish psychiatrist living in Uh, Vienna, Austria. This was back in 1942. And so this was right during like the Nazi regime and World War II. And ultimately, 
I guess before World War II, but right before, like as this was happening, and he and his family were taken into the concentration camps of the Nazis, and he was in there. And his whole book is about his experience of how he survived those camps and about how how you can maintain hope and happiness when literally everything is taken away from you. That's the book of Man's Search for Meaning and how you can maintain happiness and, and even freedom of mind and thought and how you can overcome anything. That is what that book is about. And he uses it from his experiences in the concentration camp. And basically what he describes is that, first off, these people were starving. They were starving to death. They were beaten to death. They were killed. They were sleeping on the dirt. And like everything was taken from them. Often they were even, the clothes off their back were stripped. And they were humiliated and screamed at and yelled at. And their family were killed right in front of them. These people were starving. If you see pictures, if you Google pictures of people in the Holocaust, these people were starved to death. They were skin and bones. And even their hopes and dreams for their future they had no hope of getting out, a lot of them. But Frankel and a, f- a few others, everything they did was to help people maintain hope for the future. And he realized that very intimately. He saw that when a person lost hope and a purpose for their future, the light in their eyes changed. And they stopped They stopped sharing their bread. They stopped being generous. They stopped being connected at all. And they started smoking cigarettes, numbing themselves, and started only thinking and talking about the past. And In those grave situations, the people died very quickly when they had no hope. Hope really is the oxygen to your psychology, to your psyche, to your mind and to your emotions. Like without hope, you can't function very much as a person. You can't have motivation without hope. You won't be motivated to do anything. You can't have grit. You can't overcome any challenge. Without hope, you really won't do much at all. And and all it feels lost. And so he's very specific in that book. That the only way to help someone was to give them a goal towards their future that they could aspire towards. And that goal actually gave their life meaning in the present. It gave them something to strive and stretch for. It gave them a reason to grow and overcome. That's basically it. You need a goal or a future or a purpose for your future in order for your present to have meaning, in order for you to overcome. This is why Frankel would always quote Friedrich Nietzsche. And he said, when you have a why to live for, you can bear almost any how. You can overcome almost anything if you have a reason to do so, if you have a goal. So that's basically what he said. And it fits perfectly with modern research on on hope, which basically breaks hope into three categories. But basically with hope, you have a very specific goal that gives your life meaning and purpose that you choose and you commit to. And then the second aspect of hope is, is basically what they would call pathways thinking where you will find the way, like you will find a way to get there, even if it means doing something totally different from anything you've ever done. And then the third aspect is just that you believe you have, have any choice. You believe you have agency and you're willing to, to move forward and do something about it. That's kind of it right there. I mean, obviously we can go deeper in whatever directions you want, but that's a foundation that you need a future. Without a future, without a goal, without hope, without commitment towards something specific, your present loses meaning. You really have no no purpose to go forth. And then you kind of begin to decay physically and spiritually, as Frankl would say. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think a lot of people who come into my community are sometimes struggling with dreaming big because they're so used to their current reality. But I always try to inspire them to dream big and then we think about the you know how later but you know why you're doing this and having um their dream in in front of you is so exciting and i absolutely gives you hope you say that the quality of connection you have with your future self determines the quality of your life behaviors now can you tell us a little bit about that 
So this builds off of what we were just talking about with Frankel, that the quality of the connection you have to your own future self determines the quality of the actions and behavior you do now. So from Frankel's perspective, if you've got a really big connection to your future and to your goal and to your purpose, then you're going to act very courageously now. You're going to have very, you're going to have resilience, strength. You're going to move forward in the presence. You're going to be able to stretch and grow. Well, kind of getting more specific. And this is where more modern research on on future self comes in. There's a lot of research that shows that a lot of people are not very connected to their future self, like the person they're going to be in the future. Let's call it 5, 10, 15, 20 years into the future. And if you're not connected emotionally, and if you don't have a relationship, this may sound weird, but have a relationship with your future self. This isn't just thinking about your future self. It's about being emotionally connected and caring about your future self, having empathy towards your future self, like caring what matters to them and letting what matters to them dictate what matters to you. When you're connected to your future self as a person, then you will start making much better choices in the present. What the research shows is is that the more emotionally connected you get to your future self, the better health decisions you make because you you know that your future self is going to be impacted by your choices. You know, Aristotle, the philosopher, talks a lot about intelligence. And he talks about how you can't be intelligent without being intentional. And that the more intentional you are, the more intelligent you'll be, meaning you're going to direct your behavior in a thoughtful way. And so as you get connected to your future self, you're going to make much better decisions in the present about your life. And the research shows you'll make better health decisions, you'll make better financial decisions, you'll set your future self up for massive success, you know, financially in abundance, but you could develop skills, right? Like you, as an example, me, there's no way I could have gone through all the rigors of getting a PhD if I didn't see my future self with a PhD. Like I had a goal and that then led me down a path. If I hadn't, if I didn't have a future self with a PhD, I would have never gone through it. But I, I connected with that. I visualized it. I decided it. And I then used that to guide my path. And we've all done this in small and in big ways, but getting connected to your future self is an, a crucial first step. And, and what the research does show is, is that most people just simply don't think about it. They don't think about their future self very much. They're not very imaginative towards their future self. They're not very empathetic. They're not very connected. They don't really think about their future selves much at all. They just simply assume that who they are now is, for the most part, who their future self will be, even five or 10 years into the future. So they're not being wise towards their future self. And as a result, their present behavior isn't that great. They're distracted on things that aren't really that great. But also, they're doing things that are actually setting up their future self for massive regret, whether that's just wasting their time away or whether that's engaging in behaviors that are literally costly to their future selves. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. So if you wanted to change and make our dreams come true in the future, and we have to start now, how do we go about actually changing our identity? As you said before, we won't be the same people in 10 years' time, but how do we actually start thinking about how to change that identity now? The first thing is begin to think about your future self. Seriously, like think about who you'll be and start to put context to it. You can choose whatever timeline you want. For me, for example, I could think about 2030. 2030 is like seven years away, seven and a half years away. But you want to put yourself into the context of your future self. So what's what's my life going to be like in 2030? Well, my oldest son is going to be eight years older, right? He's 15 now. He's going to be 23, right? My youngest is going to be, who's two years old, is going to be 10 years old. So I start mapping it out. What does my life look like? What do I want it to look like? Like what would what's possible? A lot is possible in eight years if I get 
clear and committed to a big future. Actually, one of my favorite quotes that I share in this book is from Robert Greene and 50 Cent, 50 Cent being like the musician. But they say that by our nature as rational, conscious creatures, we cannot help but think of the future. But most people out of fear limit their views of the future to a narrow range. Thoughts of tomorrow, a few weeks ahead, perhaps a vague plan for the months to come. We're generally dealing with so many immediate battles that it is hard for us to lift our gaze above the moment. It is a law of power, however, that the further and deeper we contemplate the future, the greater our capacity to shape it to our desires. So the main idea here is, is that if you're only living day to day or week to week or maybe even month to month, then you're not actually living towards a big, big future, a big dream, right? And so what is the future you're working toward? Is it just getting to the weekend? Is it getting to the bills? Like, is it to pay the bills? I mean, is it to is it to get to the end of the month or to the end of the year? Like, what is the future that's driving you? Is it short-term and urgent? Or is it really big, like five, 10 years into the future? And is it massive? Whatever you're driving towards, that's what's shaping your day-to-day life. And so ultimately, you do want a much bigger future. Bigger dreams are more exciting, more motivating, and more transformational than just day-to-day life. And so you do want to think bigger. You want to think further. You really want to expand it out. And then you use your future self to shape who you are and what you do today. Mm. Let's say that everyone listening have decided to be their future self now. So how do they get started? Obviously, they need to read your book, but just give us some tips how to get started. What are the steps? So there's kind of two levels. One is, is that you do have a future that you are committed to that you most see for yourself. That future could be short term, like it could be the urgent goals of getting to the end of the day, getting to the week. But also you have a bigger picture that you're committed to. That could be just, I'm going to get to age 65 and I'm going to retire, right? Like, but right now, all of us have committed to a future. Some psychologists call that the default future. And that default future or just your chosen future, which is much better, is driving your identity. And your identity is, is what's driving how you're being and what you're doing. So you talked a little bit about identity before. And your identity is really two things. It's the story that you have for yourself which includes your past self, your present self, and your future self. It's the story that you have about yourself. It's also the standards you hold for yourself. And your standards are what you're committed to as a person. And so what you want to do ultimately is begin to shape the story. You want to start to become thoughtful about your future self and start making that the story about who you are and what you're doing, even if that story is completely different from what you were doing in the past. And it should be because your future self is going to be a different person than you are today. They're going to be very different, just like you're very different than you were two years ago, three or five or 10 years ago. If I was to talk to your past self 10 years ago, right? Like I would be talking to someone pretty different than the person you are today because you've grown so much, you've changed, you've had so many experiences. And so like you want to start to shape the narrative, not only of your future self, but also of your past self. And you want to continuously reshape that story of your past self, helping you realize more and more that you're not the same person you were 10 years ago, but you're not the same person you were one year ago. You're not even the same person you were a month ago. You've grown and changed a lot. And so you're not the same person. And you get to control that narrative. You get to tell the story of who you were a month ago and how you've changed and how you've grown and and how you're different from your past self. But also you can shape the story of who who your future self will be. And you can start to tell that story to the right types of people, the people who really matter or the people who will help you get there. You can also, though, make it your standard. By make it your standard, what I mean is you start to use your future self as the filter for the decisions you make now. Like if I want to, you know, for my myself, I want to be a writer, right? I mean, 
this is me in my past. I'm already that person now, but like I, I, I let my future self dictate what I say yes to and what I say no to. And if it doesn't resonate with my future anymore, I start to say no to those things, even if they were things I used to say yes to, whether that's certain friends, certain activities, certain behaviors, certain paths, maybe even my future self, you know, certain things just stop resonating and you have to use your future self as the filter for the standards and for the decisions you make now. And it, it takes courage and commitment, but you get better at being connected to your future self, about imagining your future self, and ultimately about being and doing what your future self would do now. Absolutely. I love that. And you talk about the importance of daily actions and that your future self is the compounded effect of your actions now. How do we actually decide then to take the right actions? Because it's one thing to to imagine the future, but actually then decide, as you just said, how do we actually decide to take those actions? Because often we do things without even thinking. So if you're doing things without thinking, then you're being your present or your past self, but you're not being your future self. Mm. On a tangible level, it's not that difficult. So I like the model of urgent versus important. There are urgent things I could do today or there are important things. The important things are the few things that are relevant to my future self. So I have very big goals. And if I wake up, I, I want to put those important goals first. Like if I'm working on a, a really big book or if I want to do something important with my kids, those things get scheduled into my day, into my life before the busy things. Even when I was a PhD student and I was going to school full time, I still put my future self before my current self. What I mean is, is my current self was a PhD student. I had to wake up and get to class at 8.30 in the morning. And then I had to get home and help my kids. My future self was a professional author. So I would wake up at 5 a.m., go to the gym, and I would write blog posts because I knew that that was what would get me to my future self. I did that before going to school. And sometimes even I would miss classes because it was so important for me to do what was important to my future self. And I'm not telling you to like miss work and stuff like that. But what I'm saying is, is you've got to actually like prioritize. You've got to schedule it. You've got to like make it a part of your day-to-day life. If it's not a part of your day, then it's not going to be a part of your life. Like you've got to choose. I would say you don't want to go for more than like one or two or three important things each day. That could be learning about a skill or something relevant to your future self. Or it could be actually engaging in an activity that's moving you towards that goal. But if you're not actually doing it on a daily basis, and if it's not becoming more and more of your daily and weekly way of living, then you're then you're not then you're just you're actually just thinking, but you're not actually doing. And so it's it's got to be something you schedule and even just systemize as part of your life. Yeah, absolutely. So you talked about that we can set any time frame we like for our future self, but for anyone who's listening and just want to you know start doing this what is a good time frame do you think to kind of start thinking about our future selves i think that there's a few good time frames one is obviously you can think big 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 like so i'm going to give you, i'm going to walk you through a few timelines and i acknowledge that a lot of people listening to this like i think 90% of people believe in a higher power and so like one timeline could obviously be beyond this life like and and i'm going to get more practical than that but like you can think about that. Who, who's your future self beyond this life? Do you even believe in that? Like, obviously, a lot of people are are impacted by that. And you can really think about some of those big picture beliefs. You could zoom in, obviously, to this life. And you could think about who you want to be, like, when you die. Like, right? Like, people think about, like, what do you want set on your gravestone kind of thing? Or, like, what would you want it set on your eulogy, right? Like, these are ways that people think about what matters most to me. At the end of the day, I'm going to live my life and what actually matters, and what doesn't. And 99% of things don't matter that much. And so I better live my life 
towards the things I actually care about, towards the things I actually value. So that's that's big picture. And it's certain I recommend, obviously, that we live our life with purpose and intention and that you really think about what matters more than anything to you and don't wait until the last minute to do those things. Like start being that person today and living that life now because you never know when you're going to die. Even the Stoics, like the philosophers, talk about the concept of memento mori, which is like to always think about death so that you can actually live. I don't actually think about death all the time, but I'm just saying you want to think about if you only had a year left or if you only had a day left, like what would matter? And so then you start to prioritize the things that matter rather than the the kind of meaningless stuff that maybe consumes most of our time. In terms of getting hyper practical, I think that three years is a really good timeline for future self. I kind of look at it like this. No more than three years when you're getting really practical and no more than three priorities. So one of my favorite quotes, which I share in the book, comes from Jim Collins. And he said, if you have more than three priorities, you have none. And so I think three years is a big enough timeline where you can get really specific, but also you can transform your life in insane ways. Like just as an example, I started working toward my goal of becoming a professional author in early 2015. By by 2018, three years later, I had written hundreds and hundreds of blog posts like I had built a huge fan base. I published my first major book. I went from making $12,000 a year as a graduate research assistant to making multi six figures. And I was still a PhD student. But all I'm saying is, is my life changed enormously over those three years. And then if I was to talk about from 2018 to 2021, it's like, holy cow. And so the only reason I say that is, is in three years, if you're really focused, and that's why I say three priorities, you don't want your future self to be broad you want to be very specific, like choose three core areas of your life. It could be your health, your finances, it could be something specific, but choose three key areas where you're going to go all in so that in the next three years, your life is totally different and your future self is totally different in those key areas. I'd say three years is as big as you want to go. Obviously, you can have 12 month goals and stuff like that, but three years is a a great timeline for thinking really transformational. Mm. So at the time of recording this, we're getting to the end of the year and most people are excited about a new fresh year. How do we actually make sure we stay consistent throughout the year? Because most people who put New Year's resolutions, like I don't know what the research says, but it's within weeks, I think, um, that people forgot about their uh, New Year's resolutions. So how do we stay consistent throughout the year? You have to make your future self who you are. It can't be just something in your head. Like you need to become your future self and be your future self now. Do what your future self would do, which means letting go of your past self, letting go of the things that no longer fit your future. I mean, if it doesn't become who you are and what you do, if it doesn't become your identity and your behavior, then you're really just talking about things that aren't really you. I mean, if there's things you want to change, like in 2023, it can't be things you just think about. It has to be things you talk about and then things you invest in. And and then ultimately it actually becomes simpler and simpler over time. Like it ultimately becomes an operating system for just living where it's like, you know, in 2023, I've got Mondo goals like that are so big. They're beyond even what I can even comprehend right now. But like, I know I can be my future self and I can start letting go of my past self and I can, and, and you're never perfect. Like, it's not like you're ever perfectly living as your future self, you kind of fail as your future self along the way. But that's another word for learning. 
you just become more and more comfortable trying new things and making making your dreams your priority, meaning you've put it first and you're letting go of more and more things. You stop trying to be everything for everyone and you just start being who you want to be. And you make it a priority and you make it a commitment. You work on it and you fail towards it and you let go of the things that are holding you back or you let go of the the distractions or the priorities that used to matter, which no longer fit. And you just, you let go of them. And so it just has to be something you'd be and do. And each week you can reflect back on the week and you can say, how was I doing as my future self? You know, maybe I spent most of the time as my past self or my current self. And maybe I was just really busy, but I wasn't really focused on the important. And so you make better plans. And each week you just do a little bit better as your future self. Each month you look back You reflect on how you did and you look forward and you make better plans for the next month, each quarter, each 90 days you do this. And it's just a, it's just a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly process of just continuously being a little bit more towards your future self, letting go of things that don't fit anymore. And each week, each month, each 90 days, your life starts to look really different and you start to really be and create your future self. Mm. And I know in your book, you talk about writing a letter to your future self. So what do you, and I love, I I do this myself as well. What do you include in the letter to yourself? So let's just say that people decide who are listening, decide to do a letter to themselves for end of 2023. So I would say do this one of two ways or do it both ways if you want. It's good for your brain both ways. You can write a letter to your future self. You can also write a letter from your future self. We'll start with two. So obviously I would keep it one page. No more than one page so that you don't get overwhelmed. Type it up or just write it by hand. I like writing things by hand, but write a letter to your future self and say where you want your life to be, what you want it to look like and what you're committed to and get very specific. You could write out your three priorities. You could write down, you know, the one or two or three major changes you want to make. And that's it. I mean, writing, it's pretty easy, actually. I mean, just you just kind of write out where you want your life to be and who you want your future self to be and what you're committed to. And that's just one way of doing it. My wife and I and I wrote about it in the book. We actually made a 10-year time capsule where we wrote letters to our future selves 10 years in advance. And we actually recently opened that. We opened that that this year because we hit our 10-year anniversary. We did that right when we were first married. But when you're writing a letter from your future self, it's a little different where like you would put yourself in the shoes of your future self at the end of 2023. And you imagine that you are where you want to be. And you write from the perspective of the end of 2023 and you're writing backwards to who you are now. And you say, this is where I'm at. You're speaking as your future self. This is where I'm at. This is what I did this year. This is what I let go of. This is what I overcame. This is what I focused on. And you're just writing it as this is what happened, but you're writing it from the future. And I think that that's beautiful as well. I recently wrote myself a letter from my future self 10 years into the future. And I just wrote about where I was at, what I was doing, what mattered to me, what I was focused on, what I let go of, what I, what I shifted, you know, and it's beautiful and it's fun and it's something that's simple and you can just be playful about it, but be serious about it. So good. Love it. A lot of people who come into my community, their biggest threat is self-doubt. So how do we deal with that? So self-doubt in terms of not sure if they can do it. And also a lot of people are worried about what other people think. So how do we overcome that? I think that there's a few things you can do to overcome self-doubt. I mean, we all have challenges, you know, especially if you're working towards something you've never done before. Of course, it can be a little scary. Maybe there are certain areas where you've got a lot of negative momentum. Maybe you've seen yourself fail over and over and over again, right? And this is why it's important to realize you're not your past self. Your future self is not you. And your future self is your guiding light. 
And so I think just the more and more you spend little bits of time with your future self, but also the more you watch yourself, you've got to commit first and sometimes be courageous before you start to develop confidence. Sometimes people think that they have to have the confidence first and that won't ever work. You're never going to have confidence before you take action. Like you have to commit and be courageous, even though you lack the confidence. My friend Dan Sullivan has a model he calls the four C's formula, which is basically you have to commit first and commitment leads to courage. Courage over time leads to the development of new capabilities and capability ultimately leads you to confidence. And so you're not ever going to have the confidence you want first. You have to commit first and then confidence comes later for me as well. I spend time in my journal. I spend time reflecting, meditating. I also spend time praying and obviously connecting to my higher power and ultimately acting in commitment and faith and courage and getting little wins. I mean, it is true that when you get little wins along the way, you start to build momentum. You start to build confidence. As you watch yourself acting more intentionally and going through it, you start to really believe it. You start to not worry so much about your emotions. You stop worrying so much if you doubt or if you don't doubt. That's not even part of the equation anymore. It doesn't really matter how big the goal is. It doesn't matter if I believe it or if I don't. Like the question is, is is this what I want to do? Is this something I feel a strong sense of purpose towards and that I believe is important? And is it a commitment? Is it a, is it a priority? Is it something I'm going to do? I, I just think over time you stop worrying about that stuff. And you start kind of living more what would be called intrinsically motivated rather than dictating your life around what other people around you want of you or what they expect of you. You are a lot more honest about who you are and about what you want. You're a lot more true to what you believe matters. And then you're living what psychologists would call a self-determined life, which is a key aspect of being motivated. You're, you're more self-determined. You're, you're a lot more intrinsically motivated. You're a lot more being honest with yourself and with other people about who you are and what you're doing. And that's a lot more of a freedom-based way of living. Mm, absolutely. You said before that you got up at 5 a.m. and go to the gym, etc. I'm interested to hear about your morning routine and if anyone can be inspired by starting their own morning routine. How you start the day is a huge reflection of how you feel about your life. Mm. And so like me as an example today, I did wake up at five. I had stuff to do. Like not every day is the exact same for me, but Certainly getting up, getting connected to my future self, getting connected to my higher power, and ultimately beginning on the most important things for me, whether that's spending time with my family, whether that's working on my important projects. Like, I think it's really important to start well and to live well and kind of how you start kicks off the momentum for the rest of the day. And so my morning routine is at this point pretty basic. I mean, I wake up, I hydrate, take vitamins and stuff like that. I drive to the gym, I journal in my journal for like 30 minutes, not 30, maybe 15 minutes, 15 to 20 minutes, and then I go work out. Then I come home and I just work on my one, two or three important tasks. Like I only have one or two or three important tasks. I might have a meeting like this podcast here or there. For me, I'm really about quality over quantity. I'm not trying to do 50 things in the morning. I'm trying to get myself into the right frame of mind, trying to get myself into the right place, and then doing the most important thing. And then when I'm done, I'm done and I move forward. I'm not trying to pack 50 items into my morning routine. I'm not trying to pack 50 items into my day. I'm focused on quality over quantity and about going deep, not going shallow. You can't go deep if you're trying to do 50 things. So for me, it's get myself connected to my future self, connected to God, get my body moving, get myself in the zone, and then doing the most important work that I had for myself that day and then being done and recovering and then going deep into my recovery, whether that's time with my family, whether that's, you know, just doing something fun or playful, but 
having less in each day, less but better, higher quality, less quantity. Yeah, yeah. How important is it to create really good habits for your future self? Yeah, your habits compound, right? Your habits ultimately create your future self. So if you've got habits of always spending every penny you've got, then your future self is going to be broke, right? So yeah, you want to set up habits and systems around your future self. Like, you know, for me, my financial advisor taught me to just automatically invest a certain amount of money into my finance, into my retirement account every week, like just a, a chunk of money every week goes from my bank account to my retirement account every day, you know, read good books, you have to decide who your future self is. Because your future self will determine which habits matter. Not all habits lead to the same place. And so you decide your future self first, and then you decide the daily behaviors and actions that will ultimately lead to that. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a virtual book group called Grows. We read all about personal growth books. And we read The Gap and the Gain, which we all loved. And a lot of us still practice. But I would love to know what your favorite book is? I know you mentioned, obviously, Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning, but do you have any other books that you love and had a big impact on you? Oh, yeah. I mean, so many books. I really love Letting Go by Dr. David Hawkins. I love Peaks and Valleys by Spencer Johnson. That list changes all the time because I'm always reading new things. And so I like Essentialism by Greg McEwen. Yeah, I'm sure there's so many others, you know, even recent ones that I've read, but those are some of the ones that stand out. What about you? What are some of your favorite books? There's one book that I love that is quite recent. It's called The Wealthy Gardener by John Safari. I love Think and Grow Rich. That is a book that I come back to every year. The Slight Edge, I love. I just always want to um, improve my life. So I, I read so much. I just, I absolutely love it. Hence coming across your amazing books. And I'm excited. I just got to know that you're launching your book in May, I think next year. Yeah. I'm excited for you to read that one. That's my third book with Dan Sullivan. Yeah. 10X is easier than 2X. It's a big book. You know, it's so funny when I got that from you, I think it was yesterday, because I have really big goals. My future self next year is going to be completely different. And uh, when I got that, I was like, this is just so perfect. So I was so excited to read about that. So I can't wait to get into that. And obviously, we'll love to have you back on the podcast and talk about that too, if you've got some time in the future. (laughs) Yeah, it'd be fun to talk about 10x. That'd be really cool. Absolutely. I can't wait. So the last question I have for you is, Knowing what you know now, what kind of advice would you have given to yourself? I'm not really sure, but what I will say is rather than giving advice to my past self, I just have incredible empathy for my past self, incredible compassion. I think most people, they can be upset at their past self and wish their past self had done something different. I don't really operate that way anymore. Like I don't really wish that the past was different. I think that my future self can give me incredible advice. As far as me giving my past self advice, I want to be incredibly proud of my past self. I think when you approach the past, there's no value in having a negative emotion toward it. And I, I know that that's not what you're talking about. But for me, I'm, I'm, I'm increasingly learning from my past self. And so I'm, I'm constantly learning and gaining wisdom and nuggets from, from appreciating my past, even my hardest moments. And so for me, it's really about loving and appreciating my past self, learning from them, but also recognizing that I'm not that person anymore. So I don't really know what I, in terms of advice I would give to my past self. Perhaps it would simply be just to trust that everything will be great and, you know, just continue forth. I mean, that's kind of basic. But for me, it's, it's really about learning from my past, getting better because of my past, becoming increasingly grateful 
for what was and, and being better as a result. Mm. Most of us have had some challenges. That's when we grow the most. And when you have that, you know, you went through some really challenging times and most of us have in, in different ways. And I think that's what really often gets us to a decision to become someone else or or do something different. And so often the, the biggest struggles is our most exciting times because that's when you decide to change and to become your future self. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So before we finish off, I'd love to just ask you if there's anything else you wanted to share with our listeners in terms of how to become their future self now. I think we covered a lot of it. Yeah. I think just take time with your future self. Think about your future self. Care about your future self. And then use your future self as the basis for who you are now. It's just simple. You just spend time. It just becomes your normal way of living at, at the end of the day. Yeah. For anyone who is just, this is kind of new and they're going to completely change. Is there any way of daily practice or do you put out like three days to start with? Like how do you, how would you go about for anyone who's just thinking now I'm going to have change and how do you structure that? Grab your journal and just give yourself 10 or 15 minutes in your journal every day. It doesn't really matter what time of the day it is. Just start thinking about your future self, start writing about your future self, start, you know, in the beginning it might be really kind of broad or unclear, but every day, and I do, you do this every day and it's a practice, it's a way of life. Over time it gets sharper and sharper and cleaner and cleaner and crisper and crisper, but just write about your future self every day and just see where that takes you. Like when I'm writing about my future self and thinking about my future self and thinking about who I am and who I want to be and what I care about and what matters most, inevitably it leads me to thinking about today and what I, what I should do today and what's the most important thing I could do today and what actions do I need to take today. And so as you start reflecting on your future self and the things that matter in your future, Eventually, it's going to lead you to right now because your connection to your future self improves your behavior in the present. And so as you think about your future self, you know, you'll get better and better at living today based on what matters absolutely most towards your future self. And you just it's a practice. Even after a decade of doing this, you'll have lots of room for improvement and you'll continuously be evolving, growing and changing. And each each month and each year, you'll look back and you'll realize how much different you are from who you were the year before. Thank you so much. This has been such an inspiring conversation and I'm so, so grateful for your time and also you sharing all your wisdom with us and the world. So thank you so much and I can't wait to have you back to um, talk about the 10X. Absolutely. It's good to be with you. Have a beautiful day. Thank you. You too. Oh my, that was so, so inspiring. I hope you are so excited about creating your future self now. I certainly am. As I mentioned in the intro, we will be reading Dr. Hardy's book, Be Your Future Self Now, in my book club, which is called Grow, in January of 2023. And I just can't wait. If you want to join, just go to yourdreamlifestartshere.com. Also, I would love to know what you thought of this episode and what your plans are for your future self, please share in my Facebook group called Your Dream Life. I will link to that in the show notes as well. As always, I will be back next week. So don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss it. Have a wonderful week and hopefully I will see some of you joining Grow to go deep on Be Your Future Self now for January and really start thinking about your future self this week and let me know how you go. I'll see you next week.